Peace Women Across the Globe. A podcast about women's contribution to peace all over the world. The basic mistake is the suffering and pain what women are going through it can be internalized from the men's perspective you know men can be the feminist also i agree but this is this could have come out from the women's voices themselves what are their needs you know what has to be included into the policies I am Susan Brisal and I'm from Nepal and I am the chief executive officer in my organization and I started to lead this organization from 2011 The revolution was started by the Maoists with their weapons mostly looted from the state security forces They fought many a battle against in 2001 violence escalated a lot after the palace massacre and they are coming to the Kathmandu looking for the safer places especially youths and women were targeted by both the parties from the maoist and also from the state many more women were sexually abused also at that time they were tortured and youths were always maoist always wanted them to involve them as a cadre in media was even more dangerous journalist ganendra khadga's murder is one of the brutal killings the country will always remember his head was chopped off his body by the maoist so they were running from their hometown and coming to Kathmandu because Kathmandu it's it is a kind of little bit safer places at that time it was not attacked by the maoist so they were not getting any kind of space at that time and my founder and she is a very well known uh, renowned feminist also and she is also she has also experience of doing developmental worker for 25 years and she is a different personality also and once she has invited in one of the organizations program and she just you know floated her idea let's do something for the people who are displaced uh, and coming to kathmandu let's start the forum where people can come and tell their you know grief and trauma express their trauma and grief and ventilate their stress at some extent that is how nagrika was was created to provide the safe space for the people whereby they can come together and uh, they began to work in a very unbiased way uh, the the, um, the victims from the maoist and also victims from the state they can come together and listen to their stories and also internalize that they are not only the sufferer others are also suffering from the same pain For years the conflict was largely confined to remote rural areas until 2001 when the newly crowned king Ganendra let loose the Royal Nepalese Army or RNA on the insurgents Overnight the death toll rose dramatically human rights abuses escalated to unprecedented levels and according to international human rights groups 
it is um, everywhere in the world if you say if you look at the data also almost uh, in any kind of armed conflict 85% of the civilians are always targeted by the warring parties and 90% of the women always targeted by the warring parties in nepal being a patriarchal country what happened in 2001 Uh, the government also decided to mobilize the army to arrest the maoist cadre and they were they went to the jungle in a very mindset of militarization with the power of gun and we are a patriarchal country also and when they went to the villages uh, they didn't find the men within those home and they targeted the women they sexually abused them also they tortured them at that time and it is also their strategy to spread the messages of fear you know if you are involved in the into the mouse movement your family will be punished like this way initially what was one alliance it is called association of mouse victims and there was another organization called orphanes for terror victims we have that kind of coordination with them and, and from them they send those youths to our organization and among youths always there is a 70% of women we also work with men as well but 70% were women who lost their husbands whose husbands were disappeared who themselves were abducted or tortured in the time of conflict and who were sexually abused in the time of conflict that is how we created a space for themselves and we used to do a kind of storytelling session you know the, about the incident what we believe in that if they carry the multi-layered trauma inside it will not going to be helpful for them they have to release those trauma and we always used to say that the things what they shared in this room will be confidential and it will not go out after we discuss within our this spaces and they i don't know how they really trusted us the moment that and that is how it also helped them to engage in this kind of peace processes also human rights lawyer mandira sharma deals with these abuses on a daily basis uh, courts are not functioning uh, properly um, court orders are not uh, observed Uh, torture is being used very systematically and routinely extrajudicial killings are are going on and there is no uh, investigations at all on those sort of cases victims of disappearances have faced the similar problems there is no remedy for the victims so uh, we have been going through the worst time uh, in in terms of uh, human rights this species really helped them for the personal transformation we really wanted them to you know have that kind of transformation from feeling of revenge and anger to forgiveness and reconciliation and i believe that that really helped on that part and and after um, um, having them in our one year long program which we called it displaced youth volunteer program and we also send uh, the youths who wanted to go into the communities as a peace ambassador we also send them as a peace ambassador in different working areas where we were working on in the time of fight and conflict that what the transformation what i see within our youth through our programs 
because still we were in a direct armed conflict and um, in that time you know many more organization were also targeted by the maoist party also and they bombed those organizations also and while we created a space we used to do a kind of consultation meeting or the interaction meeting by inviting all the stakeholders like youths the government people the students and just working you know just providing a space for the people just providing a kind of safety net providing little little support let's say people are not getting any kind of support for their medical treatment even for the cremation of their relatives at that time we used to collect those um, money within the individual donors within nepal and we created a immediate relief first we'll just talk with them not in by not including with them for women it is very difficult to come out and expose themselves as a sexually abused women the sexuality is considered as a prestige issues from from the family and also from the communities they are thrown out from their houses because they were sexually abused in the time of conflict they were blamed for the incidences what has happened to them whereas they haven't done anything generally it's a patriarchal country and a bigger normative framework of violence you know that violence has to be accepted by women has to be there it's also a part of the patriarchal culture also that is the main reason that is why it is happening i'm born in kathmandu and i studied in kathmandu also so i have four sisters so i was born in a educated family that was the fortunate part for me and in nepal mostly you know when you look at the, the gender terms mostly for those families who's who have you know sons or daughter both are there mostly they used to admit their sons in boarding schools and the girls to the government school but i am fortunate enough that i am born in educated family we studied in a same school what where my cousin brothers were also studied that is how i am fortunate enough i'm also from the family from the political background also you know though i i didn't go into the politics but some kind of liberal family i was born in my cousin brother also studied in boarding schools and i also get the privilege to study in the boarding school we used to play you know always together i also used to play football they also used to play the other game what women's plays that is how i'm say i i i'm saying that i am born in liberal family and it is very fortunate for nepali women like us you know normally it doesn't happen in nepal and also one of the thing that my mother was married um, at the age of 21 and uh, she also understood the value of you know education that is why also in terms of different kind of hardship also she always insisted us uh, the daughters to pursue their educations also that kind of attachment was there although my father decides 
but there is some kind of inspiration was there from my mother also so in the time of conflict it was a very difficult moment for women but in the other part after the maoist initiated their movement almost 40% of the women also went as a first line combatant within the maoist movement and um, a kind of political awareness was raising in the time of conflict at that time and after in this post conflict scenario if we compare it is the contribution of the maoist movement i have to also accept that also a decade ago kamla thapa magar never thought she'd become a farmer and live outside kathmandu valley she was a member of nepal's maoist army and had dreams of a revolutionary change but almost a decade after the war ended kamla can't return home 12 years is a long time and society has changed during this time and so have we after rejecting patriarchal views of our society to go back and live there is difficult 12 households of former maoist fighters have started because you know i have been working with these women from almost from 16 years not only maoist women the women who are impacted by their own conflict and including the ex combatants and uh, if i look back the situation has uh, really changed but the, in the time of conflict they went into the mass movement especially the women it is not by their interest only they are also forced to join in their movements and also with the feelings of taking revenge to the government also because their husbands were killed by the maoist party and there were also the lots of aspiration was made by the maoist party what they just send the spread the messages after they come to the power there will be no inequality there will be no discrimination there will be no poverty that is how and uh, women especially from the indigenous community who were discriminated uh, in the time before the uh, conflict like the dalit women the choudhary women who were always been discriminated from our state structure they really participated into the maoist movement and the aspiration which was been made is not been fulfilled at, at this moment comprehensive peace agreement ended the 10 year long war in november 2006 the deal highlighted the importance for justice and accountability for nepalese affected by the conflict the truth and reconciliation commission has received more than 50000 complaints since it was constituted 19 months ago yeah it was said into the comprehensive peace accord into the i think it is into the article 7 it also talks about you know it will deal with the structural causes of the conflict and also the person who did the unlawful actions will be also investigated with the formulation of truth and reconciliation commission and investigation on disappearance commissions but it didn't happen the aspiration was what has been women's were aspiring after the peace occurred they will be the justice they will be a space to live with dignity this has not been not yet still in this post conflict scenario
that what we have been no no prosecutions and uh, we are kind of ignoring other pillars of uh, transitional justice like truth seeking reparations uh, institutional reforms and this is what uh, almost you know 17000 people were killed at that time and 9000 were being widowed at that time you can if you look at the exact number 9000 were being being widowed and there are lots of uh, tortured and sexual abuse also have has happened but there is no data the so our government collected those data but they just failed to you know go into other kind of incidents that what i see that there was no main um, uh, mainstreaming gender while they were formulating the policies and plans Uh, the women who were sexually abused are also for us they are affected women but our interim compensation policies didn't recognize women who face sexual violence in the time of conflict and they are not been you know provided any kind of compensation from the state structures uh, while the peace negotiation was happening or um, while the peace agreement was was happening there is no participation of the women at that time zero zero there was no participation of the women at that time i don't know what make that moments but the policy who, what has been formulated it it is by men but they just didn't you know think in kind of holistic way in a war such kind of incidences might have happened they have never thought about this uh, that is why also women were excluded uh, there is a united nations security council resolution 1325 and 1820 it is also formulated the national action plan but it recognized the women who face sexual violence in the time of conflict as the conflict victims and you can see the contradict between the two policies both the policies was formulated in the leadership of um, peace ministry but while making the 1325 and 1820 many more um, uh, women led organization were also consulted many more women uh, who of uh, who were affected by the conflict were also consulted but while the interim compensation policies was formulating none of the government women led organization or the conflict victims were consulted it is just from the you know thought of the men who joined the justice what i see almost 400 cases of the torture has been collected the truth and reconciliation commission was collecting the cases of the wartime incidences they assigned to collect those wartime cases to local peace committees and the local peace committees there there are lots of male members were there and there was no counseling room for the women and uh, most of the what uh, we have heard that most of the local peace committee members what they also say to the women that they have to show the evidence and they say and they just return back without you know compelling uh, complaining their what time incidents into the, that is how you can imagine that our systems and structure how it compelled women to not to go into this process also and many of the women didn't go into this process also because of the security and also not only from the security personnel but also fear of you know uh, dismantling of their families also
Normally, what I experienced that while I went to have an interview with the security personnel, they explicitly didn't say that this kind of incidents was happen. They say they this might have happened. You know, they, I know they know that this that incidences was happened. You know, but they say in my command it never happened. Uh, but I think this might have happened. This might be a rumor, or this might have happened. Uh, but they, on their expression, I can sense that they know that the incidences was happened, and what could be the possibilities for establishing a dignity and justice. They are also saying creating a space for the people. You know that kind of thing. They are saying the psychosocial component also. They said that, but they didn't explicitly say that. It was happened while the security personnel were mobilized in the... The war only ended when the new king finally agreed to cede power. The next few years saw several back-and-forth struggles between the Communist Party and the majority parties. This struggle finally culminated... In the peace accord, it also said that the state will also go into the addressing the structural causes of the conflict. And uh, from 2006 also, we are observing many transition in our country. Let's say we abolished monarchy. We were announced as a secular state. We went to the federal uh, country. And we also faced mega earthquake in uh, 2015. And those incidents really uh, excluded the priority of the, you know, addressing to the structural causes of the conflict. What I always say that government, our government was just trying to stick into, you know, establishing the liberal peace. That means that, you know, just institutionalizing the big structures or policy, not going into the structural causes of the conflict, not going into the democratic process of the conflict. This is where we are. It's all about patriarchy <laughs> because it's a mindset, you know, still uh, we need to still has to work on shifting the attitude and behavior of the people. Uh, and as a peace builder, I always believe in those part also without changing the attitude and behavior of the people. We can't go into, you know, shifting the real transformation, what we aspire. After the local election, uh, there are many women are into the local structures as the vice mayor, but their conditions are very much fragile, you know. When they uh, come out uh, being little late, they were, you know, blamed by, the, by their husbands about their characters. They have been beaten by the... Uh, husband still it is there you know so there is a there has to be shift into the attitude and behavior we talk about women empowerment or women awareness mostly what we did that we just accumulated the women and talk about the empowerment issues or the rights issues without mostly engaging the men in our programs that's what i see you know 
we are talking with the women about their incidences sufferings always you know creating a space for them but we have not given a space for the those conflict affected women to have a dialogue with the non affected conflict affected people so that they can also internalize the suffering of the women and also can say that that was not the mistake of the women so that it can also help for their social establishment Uh, as i told you that after the uh, peace accord it has been really changed actually in terms of the political participation of the women in terms of the political awareness of the women but while at the constitutional making um, because of the lobby of the women's movement you know the women led organization women are also a part of huge part of the constitution making process also that is why we get that kind of you know um rights within the constitution that at least 33% of women has to be into the into the constitutional bodies and 40% has to be into the local structured bodies and we gain it also you know so there is a huge contributions of the women's movement uh, while women come together you know for because everybody was very much tired of the armed conflict but still we need to work a lot at the level of implementation level you know the in our policies and constitution it also recognized the you know contributions of the women at the policy level but at the practical level it is still not uh, having but uh, we have changed a lot maybe south in south asia if i look back nepal is really progressive on that part but in terms of structural issues in terms of liberal issues we are there but not at the structural issues where we still need to go a long way that what i have been learning from other peace women across the globe is also they are giving continuity for their work although there are lots of there are moments for the frustration you know burnout but still there is some kind of compassion among those women and they're doing it continuously doing it and peace work requires this it's a very time consuming and resource consuming process but your tireless effort is very necessary if you are talking about building peace within your community and i have been observing those kind of compassion within our peace women across the group and also that also motivates us each other you know we also need those kind of spaces not only for the women we also need those spaces where we can also energize ourselves okay somebody is doing that we should also do this kind of thing that what we have been learning from each other <laughs> women across the globe a podcast about women's contribution to peace all over the world
This is a production of podcastlab.ch in collaboration with a non-governmental organization Peace Women Across the Globe. Peace Women Across the Globe is on Spotify, iTunes and on the website 1000peacewomen.org. Please do send us your feedback. Mm-hmm.